Hello, my name is Joanna Bailey. And I'm Tom Boone. Welcome to the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we have for you this week. Coming up in today's show, we'll take a look at what's changing in the post-COVID world of aviation and get an update on what's going on with Qatar Airways. I'll investigate the future of the Queen of the Skies, the iconic Boeing 747, and Tom will bring us some insight from his exclusive interview with Air Baltic CEO. Finally, we'll find out why Logan will never go back to Germany. So, now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. Do you want to start this week, Joe? Yeah, as per usual, (laughs) I often seem to start. Um, So I've listened to a couple of really interesting webinars recently and some airline CEO interviews and things like that. And it's really showing some interesting trends in terms of how aviation is going to look coming out of the coronavirus crisis. So I just thought it would be interesting to kind of discuss some of that with you, Tom. Mm -hmm. Um, And in particular, focusing in on the the kind of barriers to recovery, what we're seeing emerging as the real issues airlines are dealing with, you know, not a year down the line, but actually right now. Mm. Um, So, so far, IATA says that the governments around the world have dished out some 123 billion US dollars in state aid, Mm. which is great because it's kept our airlines alive. However, the vast majority of this is going to have to be paid back. Um, The webinar I listened to at the end of last week um, it was stated that around 75 billion is either going to be reimbursed over time or it's just a referral of fees that are going to need to be paid at some point in the future. So this isn't free money. It sounds like a great figure, but actually it's mm. not as good as it looks on the kind of first glance, you know. So this is the this is the issue that despite all these huge bailouts, airlines are coming out of the COVID crisis with massive levels of debt. Um, and it was interesting. I was reading the other day, um, Brussels Airlines is one that hasn't had its bailout yet, but it's going in for about 300 million euros. Now, if it gets this state loan for its survival immediately, it's a tiny airline. It's really mm. small. And, you know, serving that level of debt would mean that the Lufthansa Group, its parent company, would get zero return from the airline for, you know, years, really. Um, so, With this in mind, um, it seems like there's almost a perfect storm of problems emerging that is really making airlines struggle to come back from the crisis and is going to hamper them for some time to come. So, for a start, we've got lower demand. We knew that was the case. Um, But IATA is showing that actually it's getting worse. Um, So, they ran a survey in early June that showed passengers had increased levels of caution over the space of about a month. So, their latest survey said that 45% of passengers would return to travel within a few months, but 36%, so that's over a third, would want to wait at least six months before they fly again. And that's changed since April when it was something like 61% wanted to travel soon and only 21% said they'd wait. So, you know, it's almost as if the uncertainty and the kind of issues with borders opening and closing and quarantines and not quarantines, it's disrupting passengers' desire to travel even further. 
Um, so alongside that, you've, they've got some really big problems in predicting future demand. So airlines are attempting to restart travel and they're kind of opening their schedules and opening for bookings. Um, but I, I wrote a piece last week that showed that 41% of these bookings are being made with three days or less before travel. Mm. So airlines don't know until like right at the last minute if anyone's actually going to show up for this flight. So I mean, kind even, of... even then you don't know if people are going to show up because... If you book a flight, there's, I mean, I booked a 30 euro return trip to London and the point of me booking that was, it's so cheap, it's not the end of the world if I don't make that. Well, exactly. So you've got people booking at the very last minute, then people Mm. who have booked that don't turn up, you know, and this is really in contrast to how things work pre-crisis. So Mm. um, in May last year, almost 50% of bookings were made with more than 20 days in advance. So airlines had a really good kind of view of the forthcoming months and what the demand was going to be like. And now Mm. it's just, you know, like trying to look into a cloudy crystal ball. They have no idea. So alongside these issues, we've obviously got lower load factors. IATA is saying it's going to average 62% this year, which is 20% below last year's levels. Obviously, there's less space for them to get revenue in through ancillaries because they're reducing trolley service. They're not selling food on board. And then, of course, you've got the added expense of less, um, of longer and more expensive turnarounds. So all these mm. enhanced cleaning methods and giving out bottles of hand sanitizers and masks and things like that. You know, it's really going to be a tough, tough hill to climb. And I think particularly for us in Europe, we've got to get our heads around the fact that although the crisis may be slowing down, for airlines, the problems are really just beginning. You know, they've Hmm. managed to cut some costs through furloughs and aircraft grounding. And and the fact that fuel prices are a lot lower is helping. Um, But IATA is estimating that's about 34%, whereas revenues are expected to drop 50%. So there's still a big chunk, you know, a great big gap in between those two figures. Um, And Brian Pierce speaking last week said that it was almost inevitable that we would see more consolidation this year. Um, So this might not be more insolvencies, but it may well be airline mergers. It could be sales to state, you know, but it, it probably will change. The landscape will change quite a lot more before we come out of this. And he said that he predicted the fourth quarter was where we'd see the kind of worst impact because the the airlines here, you know, they they use the summer to build up their revenues so they can survive the downturn winter. Um, you know, in other parts of the world too, you know, North America, there's a lot of airlines that kind of survive on their summer revenues. And if they're not able to make those revenues through the summer, what's the winter going to bring? So, I say I, I'm quite concerned that we haven't seen the last of the consolidations. I don't know how you feel, Tom. I mean, it's an interesting one. I, as always, as we love to say on this podcast, I think we'll have to wait and see. Um, I mean, <laughs> I'll get into it a bit more later. But um, when I was chatting to Air Baltic CEO Martin Gorse, he was telling me we will see more consolidation and um, it's actually going to get worse now, if anything, because... When while airlines haven't been flying for the past sort of three months or whatever, like obviously there's been daily costs that they haven't been making money for, but they've also had a lot lower expenditure because if you're not flying, you're not buying the fuel, um, you're not using flight fees and all that exactly. Yeah, Um, but now we're entering a period where we're flying, but they're not going to be making a profit on flights. Um, yeah, because, it's really difficult, isn't it? Yeah, so if anything, um, this is going to be worse than what we've had when so they were far. Grounded. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, when you start to really scratch the surface, it's a, 
really difficult situation and it's only those with the strongest bank balances that are going to make it through so I think uh, you know all over the world there's a few names we could name and fingers we could point at airlines that are probably on the worry list but (laughs) we won't do that because that would not be fair so uh, yeah so be interesting as usual to hear the readers or listeners thoughts on this so do email in and let us know if you've got any predictions for how the uh, fourth quarter is going to go but in the meantime there are some airlines that are successfully upscaling and one in particular that never really downscaled in the first place Tom what have you got to tell us about Qatar Um, so yeah Qatar has had an interesting time throughout the crisis Um, I mean they've always um, been serving at least 30 airports Um, it's never been really bad for them they've been the one airline that sort of kept the globe connected and I think we discussed last week maybe that they're now the world's largest airline um, well, they said it, so anyway. <laughs> well, yes, yes. Um, and one thing that I found really interesting was that um, I was watching Sky News last week and Akbar Al-Bakr, um was on there chatting about the state of things and he mentioned all sorts of things. One thing that um, did strike me as very interesting was the fact that Qatar is now not taking up 30 737 MAX orders. and. Right. You hear an airline's not taking up um, 3737 MAX orders, and that doesn't, that's not a surprising headline right now. But, <laughs> no, of no, course. No, it's, it's not great, but it's not. But when you actually look into the story, it's not because of the MAX drama that they're rejecting this order now. It's because, um, because Air, India, um, Air Italy was wrapped up. The MAXs were ah. all going to go there, so there's just no need for them anymore. Right, I see. Um but then, yeah, there was also some other things. I mean, Al Bakr was still saying about how they've been um, carrying 1.8 million passengers over the last three months. Um, he knocked down social distancing, which some people were quite critical of. But I mean, again, oh. it's this whole it's you don't need social distancing on airplanes, if you ask me. No, um, no, no, it doesn't work. It's a pointless mm, activity, really. It is. <laughs> All it does is make the job of the airlines even more difficult. So. It's it's just so bizarre because there's, even if even with it, I'm sat less than a metre from someone else anyway. What's the point? Yeah, um, exactly. But I did like that Al Bakr um, was not happy with Johnson's quarantine um, well to of put course it that way. he was um, to be fair <laughs> yeah i mean he said um he actually called boris johnson unwise for introducing quarantine when he actually requires people to come and start visiting the uk fueling the eco- economic and business resurgence in the united kingdom well um, i think i'd have to agree with that well yeah i'd have to agree with that as well and um Sort of slightly off topic, there was another update in uh, that saga this week in that um, it's now all the lawyers representing British Airways, EasyJet and Ryanair against the government um, have said that the case will be heard in early July. Oh, right. Which to me basically makes it sound pointless well, aren't they scrapping it at the end of June anyway, potentially? Exactly. If it's going to be reviewed at the end of June, then <laughs> then the government might actually use some scientific principle and then the principle of <laughs> the court case is thrown out the window. Yeah, really. absolutely. So it's a bit too little too late, if you ask me, but it's. I guess it's not the airline's fault that it can't be heard sooner. 
No, absolutely. And, you know, it's good that they're there to take a stand if there isn't a decision in the right direction at the end of the month, I guess. But, uh, mm. yeah, it's interesting that it's filtered through to the Middle East and, yeah. you know, even they're calling our Prime Minister a bit silly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, don't get me started on it, but uh, this is, <laughs> we were with friends the other day and um, airlines came up and I was like, oh, please don't get me started on this because I won't stop and you will regret <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, while we're on the topic of British Airways and British Airlines, um, you kind of wanted to talk about what may happen to um, their 50-year-old, well, not 50-year-old, but 50 years of service aircraft type. Yeah, I mean, we've talked quite a lot on this show about the A380 and all the issues it's had and mm. how it was early to be grounded and a lot of them may not come back to the fleet. But, you know, what's increasingly coming out is that the 747 is on borrowed time as well. So as much as we love the Queen of the Skies, it does appear that certainly for the older models, their time is short. Mm. Um, and just last week, we saw a couple more leaving the worldwide fleet. So one that um, fans of Virgin Atlantic will recognise as the Falcon, <laughs> yep. the Star Wars liveried 747, went off down to Spain for its retirement. Um, that's the second of seven that's left the UK to go off to be scrapped, we think. Um, and on the very same day, Corsair, which is a French airline, I believe, their very last 747 went to Kemble in Gloucestershire here in the UK for its retirement. So um, Gloucestershire's actually seen quite a lot of 747 action yeah. over the last few weeks. And uh, I used to live very close to, to Kemble, actually, and I wish I still did because I'd quite like to do a bit of a drive past, you know, mm. just to have a gawk at all the big aircraft. But uh, it's home to a company called Air Salvage International, and they, they are specialists in stripping down aircraft not specifically 747s but mm. they've got a very big field and at the moment there's space needed to park these old birds so that's yeah. kind of why they're all ending up in uh, in the Cotswold countryside so British Airways 747s are parked there as well or some of them are mm. the ones and, that have uh, been retired so far so there's yeah. none parks there that are coming back to my knowledge no but didn't iag say they were mulling the early retirement of the type generally from they the did. british airways fleet yeah. so how many have they got left at ba now do you know off the top of your head off the top of my head i don't but there was some sort of talk about this at the tail end of last week because um a popular uh, ba captain on twitter pointed out that the airline has stopped um recurring training on the simulators oh which dear is well, that's it, a telltale sign really isn't it <laughs> yeah my understanding is that at the moment it's only been implemented as a temporary measure but when you put all of the pieces of the puzzle together it's not looking good um yeah because i mean you need to do free takeoffs and landings every 90 days to stay current and um that apply the simulator applies for that um that approval but the problem is right. um after 90 days you know where are we you know so yeah yeah we're not going to have the planes back for sure yeah. well i certainly don't think in 90 days from now we will have mm. um and of course these aren't all of them you know lufthansa is sending five of its 747s for retirement two of mm. those have already gone um, but the type won't retire from the Lufthansa fleet because it's got no. the a few of the newer 7478s and I think they're about six years old on average. So, you know, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. They've got a few more years flying left in them. You say that, but then let's look at the A380. 
Oh, very true. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'd hope to see a few <laughs> more years flying anyway if uh, mm. Demand picks up well, to allow it. I mean, Lufthansa seems to still love the 747. I've seen two go past my window just today, one from Mexico City. So oh, clearly it's in, in, it's, they're using it now, in unlike use, the yeah. A380. Absolutely. And of course, Qantas last week was revealed to be winding down its fleet of 747s, even mm. though it said before it wasn't going to. Um, that's another airline that's got 50 years of history with the type. Um, yeah. They've started making their way all the way across to the USA, to the Mojave Desert for storage. Um, and mm. of course, KLM famously retired its entire fleet a while ago now, back in April. It um, seems like... Years ago now. Yeah, <laughs> it really wasn't. But there's an awful lot's changed since those mm. days. And I think at the time it was kind of shock horror. But now it's like, oh, another one, you know, mm. <laughs> another 747's on its way off. Never mind. But one of our colleagues had a look at which airlines are actually still operating the type as passenger aircraft at the moment. Um, so we know about the Lufthansa 7478s. I think there's four of those in active service right now. Mm. Um, Air India has a 400 that's flying. We're not entirely sure what for. Obviously, it's only on domestic operations at the moment. But mm. maybe they're keeping that one active for the odd repatriation mission. I don't know. Um, and Air China's got at least one 400 and a handful of eights still flying. So there are a few still around. And then, of course, Wamos Air, which is a, a charter operator here in Europe, they've been doing a bit of repatriation with its 747. So, you know, we're seeing a few in the skies with people on them. But hmm. what we're really seeing a lot of, as always, is um, cargo planes. Yeah, It's a fantastic cargo mover. And at the moment, we need all the cargo movers we can get because, uh, you know, there's no passenger planes flying with cargo in their bellies. So these pure cargo planes are getting more uh, mileage than they're used to, I think. So mm. which ones come back as passenger jets remains to be seen. But I think, you know, certainly as a cargo plane, it's got a long and happy future. Um, yeah. Although maybe not so much as a passenger jet. Mm. <laughs> We'll have to wait and see. As usual. <laughs> yeah. So tell us all about what happened when you met Mr. Gulf this week. So it was an interesting one because I've always met um, Air Baltic CEO in person and obviously the times have changed right now. Um, so we had a Zoom call as is the going thing. Um, and it was it was nice because I've always, I always find he's a really down-to-earth guy. Um, pleasure to chat with and we chatted all things again um we talked about the uk quarantine because like i said if you start me talking i can't stop um <laughs> and um i mean that one was interesting because um he was telling me that air baltic have enough demand from people that would be willing to quarantine for 14 days to see family that they haven't seen for like three or four months that um they would sell out flights even with a uh, 14 even day quarantine, the quarantine at the end that's amazing isn't it yeah yeah it um, shows you how disparate the families are in europe and yeah uh, yeah well i mean i i've i mean we can quarantine with family so that's i don't see that's i mean you oh. shouldn't be in the same room as them but um well in theory you shouldn't i guess yeah, but I, I mean i was reading that there's not been a single fine yet dished out for uh, not obeying quarantine and I genuinely don't think that people are good enough to just follow the rules probably not um, no <laughs> so yeah that was an interesting one but then we also talked fleets and um, 
Air Baltic now has the world's youngest fleet of any substance. So I think somebody pointed out that um, La Compagnie has um, two younger aircraft, but oh. two aircraft isn't really a fleet, is it? Um, <laughs> it's more like no. a pair. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, they now have an average age of, I think, 1.9 years, just because... Wow. Um, that is impressive, isn't it? Yeah, it's all A220s, which obviously haven't been around for a while, and they've got rid of the old... Um, seven four seven seven three sevens and um, the Q four hundred. They've got rid of their dash eights as well. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, just um, young. Uh, that's the only plane you can fly on now with Air Baltic, isn't it? It's the A two twenty. Yeah. I mean, that's so. not a bad thing. It's a lovely plane, as I've said God, no. <laughs> many times, and we'll say many more times. Um, but then we also talked about masks, and this was the one I find, found interesting because I'm still amazed reading these stories of people that are so hell-bent against masks in the US. Yeah. I mean, we've not really had a problem with it at all in Europe. I've not seen any stories of people being deplaned or... Uh, no, I think there was no. one story of some guy got fined 100 euros at Amsterdam for not wearing one. Um, but we were chatting masks and... Um, yeah, he doesn't think they're going to be a long-term solution. He was saying, like, even on buses in some countries now, they're taking away the mask restriction. So it's just... How oh, are they? They only just introduced it in the UK this Monday. So yeah, well, I it's mean, still but... all very new to us, but we're, we're a bit slow <laughs> on the uptake when it comes to uh, coronavirus yes. things. Yes, so, um... yeah, <laughs> it doesn't really surprise anyone, I'm sure. <laughs> no, especially with the quarantine, but... Um... Yeah, and it's I'm, funny because some airline CEOs are saying that they think they'll stay, at least in the sort of medium term. Yeah. Um, you know, that this whole idea of more a more clean environment and, you know, kind of taking care of each other and sanitizing your hands and covering your mouth, that all of that is likely to stay with us for quite some time. So mm. it's interesting that he thinks they're not, that particularly facial coverings are not going to continue. Yeah, I mean, he thinks it's going to be around while COVID is around, but... Um once COVID is around, like life is going to return to normal uh, once yeah. COVID's gone. Yeah, um, but when does it go? That's the big question, isn't it? You know, until is there's the big a, question. And a vaccine, it's uh, unlikely it's going to go-go. But uh, mm, I, guess I was I reading something at the weekend where somebody was suggesting um, that it might just die out by itself because it's getting weaker, but I don't know if that was oh, that's interesting. backed by science, but that would definitely be Yeah, you be see, good. I read something that said it was going to come back 10 times worse as soon yeah. as the weather got colder, so and I, I think mostly nobody knows. If you were born on a Friday, um, it's going to be <laughs> 10 times worse for you. <laughs> no. Yeah, and it's um, all the 5G masks anyway, so, yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that was interesting and... Um, yeah, it's always a pleasure to talk to him. I mean, we were also talking about state aid and he was saying that um, he actually gave me a different perspective on state aid for airlines because I've always seen it as sort of like, oh, they're just getting money, um, which yeah. is the way it's presented. But he actually laid it out in the way it is. Like if um, he used this analogy that if um, w uh, roads were damaged after a war, you mm. wouldn't um, think to spend money on repairing them. Well, of course not. Um, so why is repairing air bridges any different? And I mean, we use the example of Lufthansa. You know, if Lufthansa just ceases trading overnight, that's going to have catastrophic event um, effects, not just on the travel industry, but also on Germany and Austria and Switzerland as a whole, because yeah, they've just lost so many of their connections. You know, like 
other airlines fly to Frankfurt, yes, but the vast yeah. majority of flights out of there are at Lufthansa. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I have to agree with him. I think that's a very interesting way of looking at it. But, mm. uh, you know, it doesn't stop the headline figures being kind of yeah. breathtaking when you do see these big bailout numbers being bandied about. But mm. again, I think, you know, coming sort of circling back to what I talked about first on the show today, an awful lot of this money, it's not a handout. You know, it is coming back. It mm. is expected to be repaid. And airlines have got to figure out a way to service those huge levels of debt whilst also running a profitable operation. So, mm. you know, it's um, it's almost like building a road and then making the road pay for itself. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, uh, what yeah, is interesting. a handout is EU261, effectively. Um, oh, yes. And I believe you wanted to talk a bit about that with regards to Germany. Yeah, I did. So, um, one of my favourite little airlines, or particularly since Flybe disappeared from my backyard, um, is Logan Air. And their CEO, a lovely man called Jonathan Hinkles, was um, on a, a webinar for Anna Aero last week. And he was chatting about kind of where the airline's expansion plans laid and where it saw its future. Mm. Um, so it calls itself Scotland's airline and it really was set up to service the islands and bring people to and from the mainland. But it's kind of grown out of that now. So it flies to quite a few points in the UK as well as in Ireland um, and a few points in Norway and other parts of Scandinavia. So um, it had added to destinations in your neck of the woods, Tom, in Germany. Mm. Um, so they were added last year. Dusseldorf began um, around this time last year and Hanover was due to begin this summer. Obviously, a lot of things changed and Dusseldorf was suspended in March less than a year after it began. Mm. Um, Hanover, as I say, was going to start this summer, but obviously the airline's working on a reduced schedule. So it's probably not going to be coming back this summer. Anyway, from what the CEO said, it doesn't sound like either of those places or anywhere else in Germany is ever going to be coming back. Uh, he's not a happy bunny and he does not like flying to Germany anymore. Um, he said that one of the reasons was regulatory hassle. Um, and expanding on that point, his words were, and I quote, anytime you have a flight delay in Germany, it's like you've chopped down the whole Black Forest with the amount of EU 261 claims that are coming after. So for those that aren't aware of this bit of legislation, EU 261 um, was put in place by the European Commission some years ago to protect passengers from delays, denied boarding, cancellation of flights. Mm. Um, depending on the length of the segment and the depth of the disruption you're suffering, you can claim between 250 and 600 euros for your delay or your cancelled flight. Mm. Um, so... I figured I worked this out some time ago when I was writing something about it. And on a normal short haul flight with a typical narrow body plane, um, a, a delay could cost the airline more than 17,000 euros. If you're operating a long haul trip with a wide body, you know, these costs with EU 261 claims could go up to as much as 150,000. And this far outweighs the revenue for that flight. So, you mm. know, you've not only operated that flight at a loss, you've probably operated many on that day at a loss. Um, so it's really, you know, it's become a real bane of the, the airlines in Europe. They really don't like it. They say mm. it's not working as it should. They're all for passenger protection, but it's the way it's being administered. And actually, you've got a lot of these sort of... Um, where there's blame, there's a claim companies popping up to help mm. people chase down their EU 261 payments. Um, and there was a thing by the European Regions Airline Association. They said that airlines are paying out eight-figure sums every year under this legislation, you know, just compensating people. Um, 
you know, and they said, and I tend to agree, that some of the smaller carriers, they're the far the worst hit by these issues. And small, mm. some small and medium carriers were being put at risk of bankruptcy. And they've even pointed the finger at EU 261 for the problems that airlines like Primera, Flybee, you know. And this is what Jonathan Hinkles was saying, you know, that he really just can't afford to operate a flight to somewhere like Germany, which, you know, people almost expect the airfares to be lower because they've got competitors like Ryanair and, you know, EasyJet flying in and out of their airports. Hmm. And yet the segment from Scotland is quite long if you compare it to flying into Scandinavia, where he can actually get more on a per-ticket basis and be less at risk of everybody chasing him down for EU261. So... Hmm. Obviously, during COVID, the whole legislation's been suspended. So airlines at the moment aren't being subjected to this because everything's all disrupted anyway. But, you know, I, I would pose the question, is it about time it gets shelved or reformed in some way? Because uh, it just doesn't seem to be working the way it should. Mm. Have I mean, you ever claimed it, Tom? <laughs> I have claimed it um, once and I was unsuccessful because the airline argued that it was... Um, a delay outside their circumstances caused by, or cancellation outside their circumstances caused by uh, weather. And I would disagree with that, but I didn't have enough patience at that time to chase it up. Although I am now chasing up a different airline for compensation, not um, EU 261, because that's not due under COVID um, right. because of the regulation. But um, right, right. I'm just trying to get a refund for a flight that was cancelled. <laughs> oh, I think it, that's I've, a whole other kettle of fish. There's an is. awful lot of people are still chasing down refunds for cancelled flights. It is. There. Well, I've got, um, I think, some uh, the legal arbitration body in Germany involved in that now. So wow. we'll see where that goes. Um, <laughs> Fill us in on but, a future podcast, please, Tom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that's the problem with the system, though. It's... Um, if an airline says no, you're so uh, um, so many people don't have the time or resources to actually chase it down. No, right. So. Yeah, well, that's a whole, as I say, different yeah. kettle of fish. And, and as, as regards to EU 261, if you're wondering why Logan Air don't fly to Frankfurt and never will, now you know why. Mm. <laughs> okay, well, I think that's it for today's podcast. We do hope you enjoyed our ramblings and we welcome any feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.